Blog Talk Radio. You want to replay the point? Okay. Mr. Vavrinka wants to replay the point. 15 on. Good evening and welcome to Replay the Point. Today is Monday, May 29, 2017, Memorial Day here in the United States, but just another day and day two of Roland Garros in Europe and uh, joined by Karen Helf, who has been in Spain for the last three weeks and uh, would like to get your thoughts and observations on everything that you've seen so far, Karen, especially Madrid. Welcome to the show again. Thank you. Absolutely, and uh, you were on hand for the majority of the Madrid Open, and um, obviously you got a chance to see Rafael Nadal win that title. If you could uh, share your observations a little bit about what you saw, which matches you saw Rafa play, and obviously the the final against team. Yeah, um, I was pretty much able to see all of Rafa's matches, um, all of the standouts. So you know, were really. Um, the match against Novak, I mean, a lot of people were walking away saying, you know, for them that was kind of a final, given that rivalry that's been going on for a bit and, you know, Rafa struggling against Novak and, and seeing him come through on that. And then, of course, the final against team was just, I think it was an outstanding match um, for both players. Um, you know, 7-5, uh, you know, uh, first set and, uh, uh, sorry, excuse me. And you know, team really pushing Rafa with absolutely the potential to take that first set, and he just didn't get it. Um, you know, after that, I think you know there was a little bit of a, uh, a letdown in it. But at the same time, um, team just seems to be at a point where he's really not backing down, and he's playing every point to the last point until the final score is in the books. So it was amazing to see Rafa, you know, get that win and continue to play extremely strong on clay um, and continue the trend that's leading in now in Paris. Yeah, absolutely. And we've talked quite a bit on the show about Rafa, obviously all the hard court play that he had, all the success, but he still didn't necessarily have a title until he got to Monte Carlo, Karen, uh, where he won that. And obviously he won Madrid. And, you know, at the point in time in Madrid, uh, you know, yes, he won Monte Carlo and and, and Barcelona, but uh, going into Madrid, uh, were you still seeing Rafa sort of uh, on the ascent, if you will, uh, still getting his feet under him on on the clay, or was he in full flight with, uh, you know, exuding confidence uh, or somewhere in between that point? I think the confidence was there, but I just think it continued to build momentum. You know, we obviously saw him play extremely well in both, excuse me, Monte Carlo and Barcelona, but with every win, with getting that play under his belt, you know, that's just his formula that works and, and working well for him very much so again. Um, yeah, he, he just kind of continues to get a little more fire, <laughs> I think, with each match. And, sure. you know, getting lots of love, of course, from the home crowd too, and I think very, very um, – uh, special for him to be able to win at home. 
Sure, and you know, one of the nice things about going to tennis tournaments is is talking with fellow fans and comparing notes and whatnot. Here you are in Spain, uh, Rafael Nadal, obviously a Spaniard. I was wondering if there was any side talk, or maybe you picked up anything on the addition, uh, recent addition of Carlos Moya to his team, and uh, was was that uh, a factor in points of conversation? Were people ex- elaborating, expounding on that, or not so much? You know, I really didn't hear a lot of talk about that other than one point that somebody brought out, which I hadn't heard, and I'm not going to say I've confirmed it, but that this woman was actually saying to me that Tony uh, took a hand in choosing Carlos and adding him to her office team. So I'm interested to to get confirmation on that, but she was pretty uh, sure in her perspective on that. So I thought, you know, it it would make sense. You know, again, someone that he's going to feel comfortable with taking the handoff, taking the reins. Um, a fellow Spaniard, I think it is kind of important for them. You know, they're strong Spanish tradition family, um, very family-oriented, family-based, proud of their country. So, um, again, I think he's he's just a wonderful fit. Sure, and uh, we'll, we're certainly going to talk much more about Rafa a little later on the show, Karen, but want to talk about some of the other ATP players that you saw that uh, may be contenders for the Roland Garros title in 2017. Obviously, Novak Djokovic in the in the news, if you will, for a lot of uh, not-so-good reasons in the last 52 weeks or so, but uh, you had a chance to see him play mm-hmm. in Madrid a couple of times, uh, including the uh, semifinal loss to Rafael Nadal and some matches leading up to that, but um, uh, same question, uh, a little bit different. Um, Djokovic, his confidence level. You you were there in person. Uh, what were obviously he got to the semis of that. He got to, to the Rome mm-hmm. final uh, the following week, and since that time has added Agassi to his camp. But at, at going turning back the clock a little bit to what you were able to see in Madrid, uh, the matches leading up to to the Rafa match and the, the loss to Nadal as well. Um, well, I didn't see many other matches of Novak prior to playing Rafa, other than just some TV footage, so just to be clear on that. But, um, you know, what I am sensing and seeing, and I don't know any other way to say this, then it's something I kind of see in his eyes, just sort of a look of being lost. Yet, you know, he's out there, he's still going for a shot. He, you know, can go out there and play aggressive. Novak's one of those people that I think when you press him hard, he plays even better. Um, and I'm, I'd also say I've been seeing that with team quite a bit, and I want to go back to talk about team's match against Dimitrov. Um, but, you know, I, I think there is something to what Boris Becker said about it. With, with Novak, it's a mentality thing right now. Um, because even though he's going for a shot, he's, he's making more mistakes. So there's something there, but me, I don't know, there's just something when I see footage of his press conferences, I see his facial expressions, I've seen him enough times, either in you know, actual press conferences, sitting up close, or um, <clears throat> watching footage where the, there's just something that is a little bit off, and I'm not really hoping that um, Agassi is going to be somebody to kind of help re-inspire and maybe mm-hmm. get him happy about being out there. I, I just don't get the sense that he's really excited to be out there right now and and Andre went through you know very similar things you know a a worse tumble for sure in terms of his own performance and you know brought himself the hard way 
<clears throat> playing challengers and, you know, working its way back through. So, uh, again, in terms of approaching that, I, mean, I think it's a great one. Oh, great observations. I agree. I've, I've seen sort of a far away look from Djokovic before as well. And, uh, you know, certain things can happen in a match, one or two things, and he's back in it. That's just a match. Obviously, what we're talking about here is, uh, is a bigger body of work for almost a year since, since Roland Garros last year. Mm-hmm. But I agree. Uh, it, it, uh, uh, having Agassi in his camp, uh, it, we've already seen the photographs. Uh, the smile is back on Djokovic's face, which is nice to see because we really hadn't seen much of that at all. He went from uh, winning Roland Garros, completing the career Grand Slam, to uh, an early expected, earlier than expected loss at Wimbledon. Obviously, the Olympic shocker and um, uh, mm-hmm. U.S. Open final. But uh, yeah, it's just not been the same Novak Djokovic. But um, let's shift gears a little bit now, Kieran, to Dominic Team, someone who I think, uh, before his career is all said and done, is going to win Roland Garros a couple of times. Um, got to the final in Madrid since that time. You know, had a pretty good result in in Rome before getting dusted mm-hmm. by Djokovic there. But um, a match that uh, I know you want to talk a little bit about. Uh, round of 16, uh, Dominic Team against probably the, one of the hotter players on tour for the first couple of months of the year, Grigor Dimitrov, and that match ended up 7-6, third set tiebreaker to Dominic Team. Uh, tell us about that one. Mm-hmm. It, that was just a match where, A, I walked away saying I want the scorecard, and if I can still find one somewhere, I want to <laughs> keep it. Um, you know, because, you know, a, a score alone, it just doesn't tell the battle. And this is amazing to watch because team shouldn't have lost the first set, and he did. He got down in the second set and found his way back to win it and then was down in the tiebreak of the third set and still came back to win it. And it was it was almost like I don't I don't like to compare too much, especially you know, poor Dimitrov got the baby fed moniker, but there was a little bit of a flair sort of thing that I see going on with team where he's he's not going to give up and he's going to fight for every single point down to the last point, and that's exactly what he did. And I would see him, you know, go for a shot, maybe miss, kind of dip his head. Again for a second, but then pick it right back up like, okay, now what am I going to do? And I was like, you could actually see him thinking through, what can I do next? Okay, that didn't work, now what? And <clears throat> you could just see it in his body language and the way he carried himself. And it was just amazing to see somebody who mentally could have gotten so down on himself. It, it could have been over in two sets easily. And Gregor was playing well. It was not, it was not you know, that he was playing well, they were both playing well, um, going for shots, but he just hung in there longer, put one more ball back in play, didn't get scared and back down. And, you know, I think he knew, you know, he couldn't not be aggressive. He kept playing aggressive and it worked out for him. So I, I just walked away from that one going well. And, and that was in one of the smaller stadiums that I love um, at that event. And so I really got to watch it up close. 
Nice. No, that's that's thrilling. I uh, I've had only a handful of those matches as well, where it's like I need a copy of the scorecard because uh, as a remembrance, it's great you had a chance to uh, to see that in in an, in in the non center court. Uh, setting as well that's just fantastic to mm-hmm. be able to take that in and um uh any uh with respect to that let's talk a little bit about the opponent in that match uh, dimitrov uh, obviously red hot the first part of the year has cooled considerably but was in with a shot against uh, a very accomplished clay court player in dominic team just uh, a quick snippet on what you thought of grigor um moving well you know again playing some very good shots, a good variety of shots. Um, if I recall correctly, he was playing a little bit far behind the baseline, which, uh, to be honest, I can say I'm not 100% sure if that's normal for him or not. Um, but, you know, serving well, um, you know, I, I just think Dominic had a little more fire in his belly that day, you know, or, or maybe does in general, I don't know. Um, that, and that's one of the questions that I've sometimes had about Gregor and a couple of other players is, <clears throat> do they have that killer instinct to really push it through the end on those times when they need to? Um, obviously, he's a beautiful player to watch. And, you know, he's mm-hmm. elegant, moves well, has got tremendous form, um, very accomplished, and, you know, <clears throat> as I said, just didn't work out for him on that day. But, you know, I, I don't think... Um, I'm sure he's disappointed walking away from that match because he should have had, I mean, I was stunned the team won it. I walked away and had it, it happened. Um, so I'm sure he kind of walked away with that himself and, you know, probably disappointed, but uh, a very strong, very solid performance. So a lot of positives to still take away um, in, in walking away and deconstructing that match. Good, good. And, um, Karen, before we shift over to the WTA, I'm going to list a few more names. And uh, if you had a chance to catch any of these guys, just uh, give some snippets on uh, what you might have been able to see. And those names are Nick Kyrgios, Alexander Zverev, Borna George, and David Goffin. Uh did see Goffin and continue to be hugely impressed with his game. You know, I call him kind of the big little man. He's, um, again, a very quick, graceful mover, puts a lot of power into his shot. Um, you know, tough fighter. I mean, we saw him, you know, in Monte Carlo with Nadal as well. Um, so um, I'd say his matches for me never disappoint. Borna, um, mm-hmm. I did not see. I saw a little bit of Zverev and caught some of Kyrgios, but, you know, I, I do know, unfortunately, he's really struggling with some more injuries. Um, and some body issues right now. So I think, you know, I think Rafa got a little fortunate um, and on that side. Uh, it's definitely a worthy opponent, but if you're not healthy, you can't come out there and do your best. So <clears throat> didn't, uh, you know, didn't t- take too much away from that match because he wasn't in, in top form for sure. Sure, and be- right before we go over to WTA side, Karen, anything else on the ATP that you'd like to uh, just chime in on? Um, well, I mean, this isn't play-related, but I just, you know, folks have a shout-out to Steve Johnson. He had quite an amazing win today, a five-setter in Roland Garros over Sujita of Japan. Um, 
could have every reason to be emotionally a wreck right now, given that he lost his father and, you know, is finding strength in that and finding success. And he's one of the few Americans that survived today. So um, just a a shout out to Steve Johnson. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, We're with you, Stevie. Good, uh, good, good. uh, Closing the door today on uh, Sugita, that was a big heroic comeback on, on your behalf. And Karen, shifting it right back to the WTA in Madrid, our, our final was uh, Simona Halep taking out Kiki Mladenovic, a very competitive final there. And um, unfortunately, since that time, both ladies are a, a little bit hobbled. But um, uh, first off, your thoughts on, on the final? Uh, I mean, it's a tremendous final. You know, both uh, Halep is, she had said at Indian Wells that she didn't have our legs at that time. So um, I think since then, or, well, you know, for Madrid, she certainly had. She, you know, her her style of you know, running things down and, again, kind of being that person who puts just one more ball over the net um, and going for a shot working very well for her, Milvanovic has been consistently performing as we've talked about before and has the ability to mix it up a little bit more with with her double skill. So both players making some great strides. I don't know what they're going to have left in the tank for Roland Garros. Milvanovic almost lost to Jennifer Brady today. Um, That was actually pretty impressive performance for Jennifer Brady. And I I really thought Mm -hmm. she was actually going to take it. Um, There were some interesting calls that kind of went on and on there that, that were, I think, a little bit right. disruptive. But, uh, you know, but she pulled through it, so I have to give her credit for that, and uh, she's moving on in the draw. Um, as yeah. far as, you know, the, the final with Halep, I mean, it was just under three hours, you know, so that's more reminiscent of what the men's matches are typically like versus the women's, so... Um, mm-hmm. pretty impressive win for Halep and as well she was backing up her title defense so um, <clears throat> it's always great when a champion can come back and, and hang on to that title for another year Sure and someone who's getting a lot of talk uh, right now in, in what's proclaimed to be a very wide open draw for Roland Garros for the title is uh, Svetlana Kuznetsova and Karen you and I both know she's got two Grand Slam titles under her belt but I don't know if too many other folks do who don't follow tennis regularly, and granted these are a little while ago, but uh, she's sort of gone off the radar for a while and has really come storming back really the last year and a half, two years, and uh, obviously had some good play in Madrid. What were you able to catch uh, of her on the court? Uh, just continuing to be a really solid performer. You know, she's, she's wise, she's confident, she knows how to play aggressive, and she can get out there and grind with anybody for as long as she needs to, um, <clears throat> which works well for her. And, again, clay is a great service for her. She she got to train on clay in Spain, so um, this is a great part of the year for her. And I think going into a Grand Slam, as we know, that maybe a little, not as much different for the women because they don't have the – the format change in the number of sets, but there's still something to it. It's a bigger occasion. And then there's a lot more going on, a lot more attention. Um, and, and I think just the pressure, you know, of wanting to have another grand slam under her belt. So uh, I think she's got a great opportunity in front of her and, and I could absolutely see her coming out of this with, with another trophy. 
Um, I will also say, though, <laughs> that we've got Patrick Kavitova back. Um, yeah. You know, nobody was expecting, nobody was expecting this, and I think it's a wonderful surprise to have, given that I think it was right around Christmas when, when she had that problem with her home and being attacked. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm looking at her part of the draw. I mean, for her to make it to the quarters, she has Bethany Medic Sands. She has potentially Flippins or Stoser, Krieg, Ostapenko, Serenko, and Makaroba. So when I look at that list of ladies, now given she may not be in her best form, but I think she's also coming back on a high given that she didn't expect to be able to play. She chose to play after working out in Paris for a bit. So I think she made a decision based on the fact that she feels like she's in good form. And, you know, it's an opportunity, and I don't think she's coming in here with any pressure. It's it's kind of, I'm back. I'm grateful to be back. This is outstanding. This is sooner than I thought it was going to be, and um, in some ways a dream. So I could at least see her making it to the quarters, but I don't know. You know, when you look at the list, we don't have Serena in here. We don't have Kerber already. Um, She is a Grand Slam champion as well. So she she knows that she knows how to play with the pressure. So I, I don't know. I'm not. I, I wouldn't count her out. That's for sure. So I, mean, I just think it's great news, you know, to to have. Completely her agree. I, I I saw when the seeds came out, she was listed there, and I I sent out a tweet saying, well, "Really, she's going to play?" And people were like, "Well, yeah, mm-hmm. she's 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 entered. Uh, she hasn't." canceled herself out yet you know don't hold your hopes out but uh obviously right. she had other ideas and other expectations and i saw her also say that you know she made a promise to uh, her team and her physio if there was any pain whatsoever in practice or during play uh that would be it and uh nice to see mm-hmm. that she i don't know if she's pain free but she was able to get it done and i i love the fact that one of the first things she said in press karen was two sets <laughs> that's just uh, hilarious, uh, the fact that uh, mm-hmm. so many of her matches do go three. So, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, nice to, again, outstanding to see Petra Kvitova back on, on and, and in with a real shot as well. And one of the names you mentioned, Karen, uh, that is not in the draw any longer, who was in the draw, uh, Angelique Kerber, the world number one, who's having all mm-hmm. kinds of trouble in 2017 uh, in Madrid, she lost the first set and was down five love to Jeannie Bouchard when she retired. Um, did you get a chance to see any of Kerber's matches and what was sort of the vibe uh, about her there? I really didn't get to see that. I wasn't in Madrid yet. I don't think when she was playing. Um, yeah, but I, I don't know. You know, I I just hope she can find something to change right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I think whatever it is, and, and I don't know, maybe it's a breakaway for some soul searching or something. You know, I really don't know. A couple people have asked me. And, you know, I guess it's it's awesome, you know, you see someone like her who worked so hard, got to be number one, obviously mm-hmm. overjoyed about the whole thing, and now something seems to have gone terribly amiss in some way. Um and, you know, again, can be very personal as she does, but she doesn't need to reveal anything. That's not what I'm saying, but I just, you know, you just kind of hate to see that um, and hope 
that maybe she can change something up to, to turn the corner. But I, I don't think this is going to be a quick fix. I mean, there's yeah. something going on. I don't know if it's the playing with the pressure or that she truly was just exhausted and made so much sacrifice to get to where she got to and maybe just doesn't have it in the tank right now. I mean, you know, could be so many things. But uh, let's hope she can she can find a path and start working yeah. towards something positive. Yeah. Completely, completely agree. Yeah, that's uh, both both world number ones were were head scratching her head up about, but uh, especially Angie Kerber uh, more so than than Maria at this point in time. And um, Karen, mm-hmm. uh, obviously Maria Sharapova did uh, appear in Madrid, got the wild card, uh, was taken out by Bouchard. Uh, were you able to see her at all, or were you able to get any of the the chatter in Madrid about the fact that she did play the tournament? Um, again, I wasn't there in time for that match. Unfortunately, I would have loved to see it, believe me. Um, but, uh, you know, lots of Maria fans, lots of, lots of people really happy to just see her back on the court again, seeing her compete again. Um, you know, I think we've talked about some of the controversy one way or the other, but, you know, I, th- I think the bigger thing is I, I thought it was great to see both of those players competing at a very, very high level. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Genius has not had the best success over the last probably 18 months, if not maybe longer. So, uh, unfortunately, I think I saw footage of her with her foot up getting some treatment, I think an ankle yeah. issue. So we may have another wounded warrior out there. Uh, but, you know, Maria is not in, in Roland Garros, and people have varying opinions on that. But, again, it's a decision that's done, and we can move forward and see where – where she'll be playing next, which yeah, and um, any other um, uh, any other action any other action on the WTA side that uh, a match in particular or, or a player that uh, you were really impressed with uh, in your time in Madrid. Uh, again, probably most likely Halep um, Maldonavich as well, and that really was I you know wasn't there for every single match because it wasn't working media, so it wasn't there every day. Um, unlike I would be if I were there with the credential all day, all night. So a little bit different this time. Um, you know, I, I think another player just quickly, uh, Caroline Wozniak, I did get to see a little bit of her. You know, I think she's also a potential con- contender in Paris. And, you know, she's making some strides. Uh, you know, she's got some coaching changes, with her dad's still with her as well. You know, I thought about Caroline you know, she's that one player that was number one that people go, well, how, how did she get to be number one when she never won a slam? You know, so at this point in her career, this could be a very important milestone and might yeah. be something that she is, in fact, very focused on <clears throat> at this time. Again, looking at the draw, there's some potential there, but but uh, she would have to come up against Kuznetsov, I think, to see a look now. Um, so. That's about it. You know, unfortunately, I didn't get to as many matches in Madrid as I would have liked to, but uh, it was a great event. Uh, Second time there, nothing but great things to say about it, and uh, definitely a, a recommendation for fans that like clay tennis. Good. No, I, I look forward to uh, to hearing more about it in, in your articles. And probably my dark horse for only girls on the women's side, um, 
is uh, Sam Stoser. She played well in Madrid, lost mm-hmm. a three to Halep, uh, did get the win over Gavrilova to uh, maintain her Aussie number one, I think 250 consecutive weeks as Aussie women's number one right now, and obviously was a Roland Garros finalist as well, so um, knows how to get the job done there. And um, Karen, mm-hmm. we're going to uh, now shift it over and I'm going to uh, turn it over to you because you're in a very special place. Uh, you were in mainland Spain for uh, most of, I believe, three weeks, and now you're just a little bit off uh, mainland Spain. And I'm uh, going to uh, have you just elaborate uh, and share with our, our listeners where exactly you are, and please take it away to uh, describe what you, we talked a little bit about before we came on the air. Okay, great. Well, um, yeah, I'm, I'm in a tremendous place this evening. I arrived uh, this morning at the Rafael Nadal Academy. And um, for those, I, I used to hear on the tennis channel all that I'm saying, okay, where is Rafa from exactly? And is it Palmer? Is it Manacor? Is it Mallorca? Well, uh, Palmer is a city on the island. Manacor is kind of across directly from that, which is where the academy is located um, on the island of Mallorca. So if I'm getting all of this correctly, and, uh, you know, it, it's a tremendous facility. I mean, it, it's obviously, yes, dedicated to tennis and the academy for the kids for player development is here. But it's actually a facility, too, that is just uh, completely sports-focused. Um, but I would also say very values-focused in terms of the personal development of a person. Um, from kind of the minute you walk in here, you definitely get the, um, I hate using the word vibe, but that's really been coming to me right now, of, of just, it's a peaceful place, a place of coming together, a place of sort of uh, celebrating the spirit of the person through sport. And you'll find runners here, you're going to find, you know, uh, people that are biking professionally, tennis players professionally, but you know, looking out at this immense facility that I saw today and the gym that I was in, and I'm sure I was walking by people that maybe I should know, but I don't, um, that were just in there, you know, working on their personal goals. And, you know, I was given a key pass to go around and use the facility. And, and one of the interesting things about this, and it's been to Disney lately, but the card sort of becomes attached to you and kind of everything you do um, gets, gets associated with it. And literally it'll give you like a goal for the day, but there's also, if you participate like in a, let's say a spin class, there's a group class goal and then there's a personal goal for you, and those things appear and show up for you. And I think it actually tracks what you've done and then kind of pushes you to, you know, move a little further, uh, working just a little bit harder to improve yourself the next day. So it's kind of interesting. But just my first day here, and uh, I'll be able to tell you more about the whole experience probably the next time we speak. So. Oh, absolutely. Now we'll uh, we'll have a whole show dedicated to that, uh, Karen. After you've had uh, a chance to uh, really uh, go through it again, if you will. But uh, what a thrill! Uh, obviously, I know you're a big Rafael Nadal fan, and and to be able to go uh, on his turf, if you will, and in a place as you mentioned, mm-hmm. it's open to all uh, tennis, uh, mostly, but uh, obviously all sports. But what my biggest takeaway is is uh, the feeling of welcomeness, and and I love the fact that you mentioned that people were there working on their personal goals. I love the fact that you'd mentioned uh, you get a card with a team goal and and a personal goal for the day. That that's 
that's brilliant. Um, uh, mm-hmm. I, you would think that uh, this would have been done in one way, shape, or form uh, in some gym or club before, but I've never heard of it. And so all credit to Rafael Nadal and, and family and staff and team for, for putting this together. Mm-hmm. And uh, what, a, what a wonderful opportunity for you to be there, and what a wonderful uh, place for, uh, for sports fans and uh, really aficionados uh, to, that want to go work on things uh, in their personal life and, and, and athletics as well. Yeah, I mean, if you could see my room right now, and there's one piece of artwork, and it's a runner about to take a start with just this beautiful sky in the background and just kind of looking ahead. And, you know, you you can't not walk in here and just be inspired just looking at that. But there's lots of little touches all over the place that kind of remind you of things in a subtle but uh, poignant way. So. Very grateful to be here. No, fantastic. And uh, no, I look forward to, uh, again, having a show dedicated to, to your time there as well as hopefully you'll do some writing and take a lot of pictures of, of there as well. And Karen, real quick, I, I know this sort of, uh, we've been hearing about this academy for quite some time, but uh, when did that open, by the way? I think it was just about two years ago, um, and I'll verify, but the, the academy itself opened first. And now the adult side is called the sports center. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because it gives the ability for, you know, a child to come attend and, and it's a full scale school. I mean, it's mathematics, science, art, mm-hmm. music, <clears throat> sports, language, you know, learning English, learning Spanish, what have you. Um, and the other thing that strikes me is, I, th- I think I mentioned this it, kind of reminds me a little bit of Indian Wells in terms of the feel of the tennis facility. And there's yeah. you know, a play, player lounge and things like this. So it's also almost even easing these kids into what the lifestyle is going to be if they're traveling yeah. on tour at some point. And they're being maybe building a familiarity of what the process is like that, you know, you're going to have a player lounge, you're going to have – you know, different things. And, and I guess to say one of the cool things in the uh, museum exhibit today, uh, as you enter, you're actually entering through an entrance that is a simulation of entering the stadium through the tunnel. Oh, wow. With all of the crowd noise coming in. Mm. So it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. No, I, I, it's, I, I'm I'm envious. That's fantastic. You're able to be there, Karen, mm-hmm. and and soak it all in, and and uh, again, a nice part of your journey. And so, I know you've been in Spain for a while. You're you're there, and I I know you're going to cover some grass court action as well. I think after a little bit of Roland Garros. Mm-hmm. But before we wrap up uh, today, anything else that you'd like to share uh, uh, with respect to your journey of where you've been or where you're headed? Uh, just it. Honestly, it's all been wonderful. Spain's a wonderful country. If you haven't been, France is a wonderful country as well. You know, heading there, um, both have, you know, their own uniqueness. But I I think what I love so much about this part of Europe in this time of year is it gives you this unique opportunity. If you love to travel and if you love culture, it's very easy to combine tennis and travel. And Mm -hmm. those are two of my big loves and, and things that, I'm able to do and, and, you know, kind of following the tour through some of these different cities is just a great opportunity. And if anyone ever has questions about it, I'm, I'm always happy to share my uh, my interests and my examples 
the things that I've made mistakes on, like the bus that I didn't get off of today. Um, <laughs> and then the things that I've learned along the way and, you know, how to find your way around. But um, I absolutely encourage anybody that really enjoys tennis and likes to travel and especially wants to see Europe play season is just ripe for opportunity for that. Absolutely. And uh, uh, as if I didn't have enough respect for Rafael Nadal and what he's accomplished and him as a person uh, have even greater heights uh, has that scale too, with respect to what you're sharing about his academy and what it's all about, Karen. So very good. We're going to wrap this up. Uh, certainly enjoy the rest of your time in Spain before you head over to Roland Garros and the, and the lawn. Hopefully maybe we can do a show be, be, between now and when you get back. So on behalf of Karen Health in Mallorca, this is Pete Zebron in America saying good night. We'll catch you next time on Replay the Point. Good night.